Hello, everybody. We're still talking about heaven, a topic that all of us should be interested in because we're talking about our future, your future, my future. The last few times we've been talking about the new heaven and the new earth, which really is a topic that I'm afraid that many Christians don't really see or see accurately. Revelation 21, 22, we've been kind of looking at that along with really a number of other passages speak of the new heaven and the new earth. And basically, Revelation chapter 21 starts off by saying the first heaven and the first earth, they're all going to pass away and everything's going to be made new. And then the new heaven comes down and actually joins the new earth and they become one. And, uh, and the new heaven, you could say, becomes the new earth. And the new earth becomes the new heaven. Many Christians don't understand this. But this isn't some new doctrine. Christians, Christian leaders, uh, theologians, all throughout this centuries, throughout church history, have been pretty consistent because it's so clear in the scripture that this is what's going to happen. Now, I want to make a confession. Perhaps the hardest, or maybe I should say most troubling aspect of heaven and eternity for me personally has been, at least in the past, what are we going to be doing all this time? It's like I was thinking, it's the real life is here, and I'm only going to have a half a life there. And because when I looked at my life, I see I like doing things. You know, I enjoy new things. I enjoy new projects, meeting new people, going to new places, new challenges, new things to learn. And my question deep down inside of me has always been, will I get bored? Eternity, after all, is a long, long time, right? In fact, it just goes on and on and on. This, probably more than anything else, has troubled me. Sure, I mean, I'm looking forward, I've been looking forward to being in the presence of Jesus, but what else is there? And this study on heaven has really helped me. And, you know, of course, we were probably already in, into our third month doing this, and, and I started even way before that. And as always, when you share something, you probably study and learn maybe three, four, five times more than what you just kind of share. And, uh, and this study of heaven has really shown me something that I was already beginning to realize. It's not like I was, it's all new to me, but you know that, that heaven is going to be refreshing. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. And I'm not going to get bored. And, and also realizing that the life that he has prepared for us is going to be fabulous. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. It's going to supersede the most beautiful things about this world by hundreds of times. So today, I want to kind of devote today's message on what will we be doing in, in all of eternity. And of course, as we've kind of said with almost every week, you know, there's a lot we don't know. But there is much that is said in the scriptures, enough to know that we're going to be an inheriting a wonderful, beyond words, 
world to live in. I think another thing that many of us have kind of a wrong thinking, we've already talked about this a little bit, but it's easy to think of ourselves as being half of what we were here. In other words, we're going to have this body that just kind of floats around. We're not going to be able to eat. We're not going to be able to enjoy things. We're not going to be able to go places. You know, really the opposite is true. We will be much more ourselves there than we ever have been before. Our bodies are going to be strong, never falling apart or sick. We are going to be eating. I believe we're going to be playing. We're going to be going places. You know, we can have wonderful relationships, meaningful conversations, experience true koinonia or fellowship. Uh, and that's without, you know, the intimidation, the insecurities of the manipulation that sometimes kind of crowd into uh, relationships. You know, we're going to be able to hug one another. We'll be more alive there than we've ever been here. We'll be whole, complete, full. C.S. Lewis refers to this world as the Shadowlands. And that's, that, I, I like that. This is the Shadowlands. The real life, our fulfilled life, is going to be down the road in the new earth, new heaven. Okay, so let's go back to the very beginning, Genesis. And let's go to Genesis 1. And, uh, and I, I want us to see how we have been created in his image. And well, let's just kind of start by reading. Uh, let's start with verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. I like that. He, in his image, he created us. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, so it is obvious that God's original intention for mankind before sin entered into the world is that his creation, the crown of his creation, which is you and I, mankind, were to rule over all of creation. And let's just, you know, I think sometimes when we kind of think of rule, we think of lording it over someone, but really the Hebrew word there, rule, means to govern, to protect, to nurture, you know, in other words, to care for. And we're to care for all of God's creation. That was our original intention. There's some other commands. Be fruitful. We're to multiply. We're to fill the earth. We're to rule or govern over all of creation. And all of it was made for man to enjoy. Let's kind of go on down to verse, 30, uh, verse 29. Then God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. In other words, it was made for us to enjoy everything and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to every 
thing that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. In other words, he gave these things for us to enjoy. And that's why, and along with that, was a responsibility, a stewardship to care for. In verse 31, God saw that, that all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. He was pleased with it. It was very good what he created. And there's evening and there's morning, the sixth day. So let's kind of jump down to chapter 2. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Okay, so again, responsibilities to cultivate and keep this immense garden that God had created for them to enjoy. Now, let's kind of jump to Genesis 3. And while well, there's a lot we could probably say here, but let's kind of go down to verse 17. Then to Adam, and this is after man fell, they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so God's speaking to, you know, he speaks to the serpent, he speaks to the wife, you know, to Eve. And then to Adam, verse 17, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you in toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you are taken, and you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Okay, so he says, cursed is the ground. In fact, this is the first of many curses that enter into the world starting in Genesis chapter 3. But everything changes. All of a sudden, there's labor and hard work. Now, before there was work, responsibility, things to do, but now it's different. Work now is going to be oppressive. It's going to be never-ending. Have you ever kind of noticed that when you do something, like you clean your car or clean the house, what happens? A couple of days later, it gets dirty again. It seems like it never ends, right? Or maybe you got little projects to do at work or something. Do you ever feel like I can never catch up? Because that's kind of part of the curse, you know? There's never enough, never enough time to do all the things we want to do. And so we easily, you know, just get lost in our work and we cannot ever get ahead. You know, we... It's by the sweat, toil, all those things that we work. That's part of the consequences of sin. There's other things, you know, women that have pain in childbirth. We're also told in this passage that death enters in. And of course, we've already talked about the ground is cursed. It wasn't, you know, the ground doesn't always do what we want, does it? You know, in other words, even if we kind of find a good crop for this particular soil after what, five, six, seven years, what, we've got to put something else in or we have to kind of move somewhere else. It's just, it's just everything became dysfunctional. Now, in the new earth, new heaven, those are the same, we're told in Revelation 22, 3, it's not up here, that the curse is gone. In fact, they said there will be no more curses. All the curses 
are gone in the new earth. And God's original intention for mankind will be fully restored. Actually, it's going to be made much better and much more complete than even way back in the garden. Uh, Acts 3, verse 21, it says, I like, I like this verse. It says, um, well, in the verse um, before that, it's talking about, you know, you know, Jesus coming, you know, may he send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you. And then it says, whom heaven must receive. He's talking about this, you know, what happens the second time, until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. So everything's going to be restored and that's going to be beautiful. Every good thing that God's created is going to be restored. It's going to be made full. Now, going back to Genesis, the first couple of chapters, and I'm not sure if you kind of noticed it, but five times, we didn't actually read all of them, but five times in the book of Genesis, it says, we have been created in his image. And we're also sit, and then three times in the New Testament, you know, and, and, and we're also told that we were made according to his likeness. So for, for this to be repeated over and over and over, it must be important. And as I was kind of saying earlier, I've always, just the way God's wired me, I always like to be working on something. And I've concluded that that's how God made me. He made me in his image just like he made you in your image. And you are wired in a certain way that there's just certain things you like to do. There may be other things you don't like to do, but there's, there's things that you just, it just gives you life. You just feel energized by. And that's because God is probably one of his number one qualities. I mean, of course there's love, holiness, but he's also creative. I mean, just look at this world that he's made us made for us. He's active. He's always sustaining things. He's protecting. He's caring. And God made us just like that. He created us in his image, creative. And there's not anything wrong with that. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, um, it just says, for we are his workmanship. In other words, we were just, we were carefully made, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You know what? We've been created for good works. They've been prepared beforehand. And certainly when we talk about the good works that he's prepared for us, a lot of that, in fact, most of it's going to be in eternity because in eternity is where we're going to spend most of our time down here on earth you know, 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years, that's it, you know. But for eternity, we're talking about thousands and ten thousands and hundred thousands of years, you know, by the way we kind of look at time here. So the good works that he's created it, you know, for us, I, I'm convinced after looking at the scriptures that our greatest works lay ahead of us in the new earth. Most 
of what he's created us for is ahead of us, not ending at the end of this life. And I don't know about you, but that makes me feel a sense of relief because we go through life and especially as we get you know, older, we think, oh, I still want to do this. I still would like to be able to accomplish this. And it seems like we're limited. Time's running out. And then you kind of throw in that, your bodies, you know, you just don't have the energy, the strength that you once did. And um, I think we need to remind ourselves that every one of us, each one of us was created and designed by God in a unique way. Our interests are unique. My interests are different from yours. Our gifting is different. The burdens we care, we're all different. How we think, how we're wired, our creativity is different. You know, I may, I might can appreciate good music, but I'm not a musician. Where some people are wired that way. You know, to create music is what they live for. We were all made differently, weren't we? And that was by design, by God. Now, in this world, there's a problem because we're living in a very corrupt and unfair world. And we're going to talk a little bit, I think probably next week, on how God uses that. But it would be fair to say that in this world, we don't always get the chance to do the things that we were created for. There's time pressures. Sometimes some people have more opportunities in life than other people. Uh, some live under oppressive governments. They never can be fully who God wants them to be. You know, sometimes the families we we're born in, maybe they're poor, maybe they're dysfunctional. That's going to have a, an effect on us. You know, sometimes there's health issues that limit us. But in the new earth, in the new heaven, we will all finally be who God created us to be. And we can do what maybe we couldn't do here because of various reasons. We can do things here that we didn't have time for here because maybe time ran out or whatever. We are here under the curse of hard work to make a living and to put food on the table. And there's always that pressure. You know, there's never enough. We always need to make more. And, and, by, and, and by the way, also, uh, the things that we do make, it can be easily lost here because it's a corrupt, sinful world, right? But in the new earth, in the new heaven, it's going to be different. We have been made creative like him. And there's not anything to be ashamed about, about that. And there we can finally do what we've been created for without the, all the limitations of this cursed and corrupt and sinful and unfair world. Okay, so there's going to be a lot for us to do in the new earth, in the new heaven. And the Bible, of course, primarily instructs us on how we need to behave and honor God and serve him in this earth. And so there's a lot the scriptures don't say. Uh, and maybe even if it did say it, it, it might seem so foreign to us that we wouldn't be able to get it. But we, we do know a lot of things. Let's just kind of let's just kind of read a few passages. And some of them I'm not going to read, I'm just going to kind of refer to them. 
Okay, first of all, going back to Revelation 21, you know, it starts talking about there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. You know, they're going to all pass, the old's going to pass away. Then it says in verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Now, I think that's important. There's no longer going to be death, pain, not just physical pain, but I think also that internal pain. There's not going to be sorrow. There's not going to be mourning. Let's look at uh, chapter 22, verse 3. There will no longer be any curse. Hallelujah for that. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him. And they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night. And, there will no, and they will not have any need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them. And they will reign forever and ever. Okay. So what, what do we see here? His bond servants, that's going to be us, are going to be serving the Lamb. They're going to be serving Jesus. His bond servants are going to reign forever and ever. And again, reign means govern, nurture, protect, preserve, and we're going to have all of God's creation to do so. The parable of of the talents in Matthew 25, you know, to those who are faithful here on earth, he says, I'll put you in charge of many things. Not just one thing, but many things. In Luke 9, the parable of the minas, you are to be in authority over 10 cities. Okay, we're, there's going to be authority that we're going to have. We're going to be in charge of. You know, there's going to be, we're going to be reigning. There's going to be a lot to do. Uh, Revelation uh, 2, verse 26, Jesus says again of his bond servants, to him, the one who's faithful, I will give authority over the nations. So not just all of God's creation, but over the nations. There's a responsibility that he's going to give us. And we could go to the Old Testament. We could look at Isaiah 60, where it speaks of, the trading of products among the nations in the new earth. In Isaiah 61, it speaks of rebuilding the ancient ruins, raising up the for former devastations, repairing the ruined cities, reestablishing the desolations of many generations. So I think that there's going to be a lot of building going on. And not just building physical things, but I think you know, like the desolations of many generations, probably a lot of things lost in our culture are going to be built back, you know. In Isaiah 62, it talks about rebuilding Jerusalem into a glorious city. Uh, Isaiah 65, it talks about they're going to build houses and inhabit them. They'll also plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Yes, there's going to be food to enjoy. We're not just going to be some little ghost that can't eat anything, you know. Uh, and by the way, when we enjoy the food, we're not going to have to worry about GMOs or chemicals or weight or cholesterol or anything like that. We'll just be able to enjoy it. Sound pretty good, doesn't it? You know, 
Uh, Jeremiah 31. Maybe we'll just actually take a look at this one. Um, let me just kind of get it here real quick. Starting verse 12, verse 13, it says, um, it says, they will come and shout for joy on the height of Zion, and they'll be radiant over the bounty of the Lord, over the grain and the new wine and the oil and over the young of the flock and the herd, and their life will be like a watered garden. I like that. And they will never languish again. Then the virgin will rejoice in the dance and the young men and old together. And I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and will give them joy for their sorrow. And then it continues just talk about the abundance there. But the abundance comes from the things that we're doing. You know, uh, Isaiah 30, starting in verse uh, what, 23. It says, um, it says, then he will give you rain for the seed, which you will sow in the ground and bread from the yield of the ground. And it will be rich and plenteous. On that day, your livestock will graze in roomy pasture. Also the oxen and the donkeys, which work the ground, will eat salted fodder, which has been winnowed with shovel and fork. On every lofty mountain, on every high hill, there'll be streams running with water on the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. That's talking about, you know, at the end of the age. There's going to be a lot of things happen. It's, there's going to be abundance. That's a lot of times we don't realize this, but the new earth is going to mirror this earth, except it's going to be much, much better. Amos chapter 9. And Amos says, just a second here, almost there. I'll just read it here. Okay, it says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seeds, when the mountains will drip sweet wine and all the hills will be dissolved. Also, I will restore, by the way, there's that word again, restore, you know, uh, the captivity of my uh, people Israel, and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink, of the, drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. This is a picture or glimpses. And you might say, well, some of that, could, could, could that be, uh, you know, like a picture? Is it allegorical? Well, maybe somewhat, but I think it's also literal as well, you know. And, and, and notice how many times we see the words restore, revive, renew, remake, redeem, resurrected, uh, I just saw another one here. It says, uh, rebuild. All these are words used to describe what's going to be happening in the new earth. Of course, Jesus is going to do a lot of it when it, when it comes down, but a lot of it is ours to, to, he's going to give us projects to work on. And this is just a sampling of verses that passages. There's a lot more. So what do we see here? What do we conclude? 
We could be planning, we could be growing things, we could be building, we could be doing things that we never had time here on earth. So practically, what do you think this means? Well, it probably means if you're an artist or a musician, and that's what really gives you life, that's the way God's made you, you'll be able to glorify God with those gifts, without the time restraints. You know, of course, now, if you want to be an artist and a musician, you know, every artist and musician I've noticed, they would like to do that full time. But can most of them do it? No, they can't. You know, if you make it, you know, usually, well, you know, often I'll say that, you know, they do it by greed or, you know, or their mom and dad had money to give them a, a chance or they, you know, you know, there's some type of corruption involved. But there it can just be you. Maybe you thought, you know, one thing I would like to do, I've always wanted to write a children's book. You know what? That might be something you do. Now, we don't know, but I think this is the spirit of how we need to kind of look at this. You know, uh, you know, I've heard Judy kind of mention, you know, if I could do it again, I would like to be an architect because I like designing. I'm fascinated by that. Well, you know what? There's going to be a lot of rebuilding to be done. Now, does that mean she's going to be an architect? I, I have no idea. But there's going to be a lot to do. You love flowers, trees, lakes. Well, you could be caring for some of that, you know. How about weather? You know, I mean, some people, they're just interested in every aspect of weather. Well, you know, I don't know. There may be, uh, there may be things that you can do related to that. I, I, I don't know. But I think it's good just to sit back and kind of say, what will we be doing? This could be a lot. And think about how God has wired you and then think, that's what I'm going to be doing. You know, you know, in addition to worshiping God, but we're going to be worshiping him and glorifying by the way we, you know, by the things we do. Now, there's probably some occupations or professions that probably aren't going to be needed. You know, if you've always had a dream to be a dentist, for example, you know, there's not going to be a lot of decaying teeth, you know, so that's not going to be a possibility. Or if you're a firefighter, you know, or a soldier, you know, forget that because there's not going to be wars. There's not going to be a need for that anymore, you know, but, uh, but I think we just need to realize that we're going to do things according to how God has made us. And there's nothing to be ashamed about when we look at ourselves and say, this is who God's created me to be. And sometimes in this world, I understand we're frustrated. Maybe people think we're crazy. They might say, that's unrealistic, you know, and it may be in this sinful, corrupt world. But the way God's created you, you'll have a chance to shine for him. Um, I think it's very likely we're going to be, in fact, I know we're going to be doing some things together. You know, some things no doubt will be shared work, except it's, there's not going to be the competition and there's not going to be the envy. You see, God's not going to be destroying or doing away with the good things that he's created here or he's created through his people. Good music, art, culture, many things. Randy Alcorn, who wrote a just a fabulous book on heaven called Heaven. You know, he says, even sports. You know, in fact, that's why I put that. I'm not so sure about that. But for you sports enthusiasts, like Randy obviously is, you know, that might be 
you know, my question is, how's the competition? I mean, it will be true that the Broncos will always win. You know, that's that sounds like heaven to me. But of course, if you're from Seattle, it might be a little bit different. So I don't know. But I think the thing is, is that God's created beautiful things here on earth. Man's corrupted it. But those things are going to be restored and they're going to be made even better. So no, we're not going to get bored. Rather, we're going to be who God has created us to be without all the limitations of the flesh. Okay, just a few other things I just want to mention. One, we're going to be learning new things. I mean, Isaiah 2 talks about that, you know, that we'll come to Mount Zion to learn. And um, after all, nowhere are we told that we're going to be omniscient, omniscient, you know, knowing everything. God is that, but we're not. So just think about what would you like to know more of? Music, play instruments, maybe understand the galaxies better, more understanding God's word. I'm sure that's going to be involved. Learn to speak another language. Maybe learn to speak a lot of languages. You know, I don't know. You know, uh, uh, one thing I've always been fascinated with is the mysteries of bird migration. I mean, it's amazing. I can't understand it. But you know what? I'll be able to kind of learn. And there, we'll be able to kind of learn fully and not just take little stabs of guessing, you know. And no doubt, we're going to be learning. We're going to be teaching things that we learn. But here's the thing. It's going to be learning without the pressure without the competition, without the insecurities. By the way, I believe our minds are going to be sharper. You know, they say that, you know, scientists say that, you know, the average human, you know, or even, you know, only uses about eight to 10% of their brain. Some might get 12, 13%, I don't know, but certainly not a hundred. You might say, yeah, well, there's some people, I think they may, maybe only they use two or 3%, I don't know. But you know what? I know there we're going to have our full minds. And also because we have full resurrected bodies, we're not going to get tired. Personally, one thing I'm looking for, I love to explore. I love going to new places. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I'm not going to try to guess, but I know that God has a lot. There's going to be all sorts of projects to work on. Um, our bodies, we've kind of already said this, resurrected, whole, that means we could hike, we could climb, we could swim without getting tired. That sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? Our relationships, better, in fact, great. There could be more, there could be deeper. There's going to be no time constraints. You know, something I kind of hear people say, and I probably even kind of said this type of thing before too. You know, I'm never going to see my mom again. I'm never going to hear her voice again. Or maybe you might think about your grandma. I wish I could have asked my grandmother about this or that. You know, I just never really, I was a kid then. I didn't really get to know really what made her, you know, who she is. You know what? That's wrong thinking. It's true we may not have that opportunity here in this sinful, corrupted world. But in the future, the relationships could be a lot better than this world. And a longer time. 
And you know, with the grandparents, you could be able to kind of ask them all the things that maybe you uh, wish you could have. What about animals? Yes, they seem to be part of God's creation, don't they? When he created them there in Genesis 1, he said it was good. So I don't think there's any reason to kind of dismiss and say they're not going to be animals. Actually, we see references. I kind of wrote them a bunch of them down to lambs, cows, bears, cobras, lions, serpents, goats, wolves, leopards, and oxen in the new earth. I think we could probably assume that all animals are going to be there. God loves animals. He created them. Actually, when he got ready to destroy the world, that first time in Noah, what did he do? He wanted to make sure that Noah took two of each kind, right? So I think there'll probably be all the animals. In fact, I suspect, I don't know, that maybe even extinct animals or birds will be here. We don't know. What about pets? Nobody knows. I think I, I will kind of say that many Bible scholars think it's very possible that the animals that we love so much will be back with us. After all, God is restoring all things that are good. I mean, a number of Christian leaders have said Billy Graham was especially kind of strong in this point. Yeah, he, he's, he felt definitely, you know, the pets that we love are going to be back with us. You know, I, I really, I don't know about that. To me, it doesn't say that clearly, but it does say animals are going to be there. And I think we can kind of conclude that. So in conclusion for today, we got more to say. There's a lot we don't know, lots of questions, but there is a lot that we do know. And a lot that from what we do know that we can probably make some reasonable assumptions. What we do know for sure is that God created this world so amazingly. In fact, even with its corruption, you know, I enjoy just going to a mountain lake, going to the seashore, you know, being there ne next to, you know, clear streams that are bubbling down, you know, seeing trees, you know. If he made this, this creation so wonderful, how much more will this next world be amazing without all the corruption? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. We read it last time. I want to read it again because I think it just sort of sums up a lot of what we're saying. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Lord, we, we can't begin to comprehend all that you've prepared for us, all that you've kind of said is our inheritance. But Lord, we do see that it's going to be something wonderful. Lord, we don't want to be given to wild speculations, but yet, Lord, we do want to be able to realize that we're not just going to be bored that you have prepared a place much, much, much better than this place. And, uh, and we're going to live there and we're going to plant gardens and we're going to, we're going to, we're just going to enjoy ourselves and in this new world that you're creating for us. But most of all, Lord, we're going to enjoy you, the creator of it all. 
and Lord, just being in your presence, you know, and being able to have a all of creation to enjoy and to be responsible for, Lord, that is what heaven is. That's what the new heaven is. That's what the new earth is. Lord, give us vision for that. Thank you, Lord. Amen.